Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is John Sego, and I serve as an elder with our middle school and high school youth. Quite an adventure. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Eternal God, by a star you led the Magi to the worship of your Son. Guide the nations of the earth by your light, that the whole world may see your glory through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him worship. And then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let us worship God. On Friday of last week in Times Square, New York, it was annual Good Riddance Day. People were invited to write down on paper any bad memories they had of 2015. A free industrial shredder was on hand to send those remembrances to shred heaven. The motto was, shred it and forget it. Each Sunday at Church of the Palms, we do something similar and yet superior. We recall the sorrows of our soul and we turn them over to God who freely shreds, forgives, and even forgets our sins. Let us confess our sins and sorrows which are written upon our hearts. God of glory, you sent Jesus among us as the light of the world to reveal your love for all people we confess that our sin and pride hide the brightness of your light. We turn away from the poor. We ignore cries for justice. We do not strive for peace. In your mercy, cleanse us of our sin 
and baptize us once again with your spirit, that forgiven and renewed, we may show forth your glory, shining in the face of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. statement of our faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now take a moment to greet those near you in the name of Jesus Christ. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're so glad you're with us and beginning the new year with us. You know, this past weekend, our pastoral care hotline was inundated by calls from Florida Gator fans <laughs> who needed pastoral care. I asked them all to be directed to me so I could give them no comfort. So anyway, we're, 
Glad to begin the year well, so that's good. We are delighted that you're with us. We hope that you fill out the friendship pads in the pews and pass those to your neighbors, and we invite you to give us all the information that you would love us for, for us to have so that we can be in touch with you as this new year gets started, and we can make you aware of all the great things that are happening here at Church of the Palms. We are getting started right away with a new week and a new year. Next, uh, this coming Monday, tomorrow morning at 10.30, the SIL program will be here in the sanctuary, and if you've been a part of that uh, Music on Mondays program, it is, uh, the sanctuary is completely full. We invite you to come and join uh, those good folks, and uh, our very own June LaBelle will be leading that, and we invite you to buy tickets at the door, but that's a great opportunity for you to come and enjoy some uh, great culture here at Church of the Palms. And then we have some new classes beginning this coming Wednesday and Thursday, a couple of classes on Wednesday, Time for Dignity at 4 o'clock, and then I'll be teaching a class over in the chapel at 6.30, the Bible and the New York Times, taking a look at the world th from a biblical point of view. So we would love to have you come join us for that. And then another class on Thursdays at 6.30 uh, called Soul Feast. So we invite you to come and be a part of those opportunities this Wednesday and Thursday as we get started. And then three weeks down the road, we have some, a couple of uh, great gatherings. The Presbyterian women will be gathering on Friday, January the 22nd. That will be a wonderful program. We invite you to go take a look at that uh, underneath the tree and buy your tickets. And then Marjorie Thompson will be here on Saturday, January the 23rd. One of the great writers about spirituality and speakers on spirituality throughout our country will be here at Church of the Palms. And you'll want to make a point to be a part of that. And you can register for that online. You have noticed perhaps the flyer in your bulletin, our Echoes of Generosity uh, season has uh, finished with a, an amazing success and we're so delighted. Uh, you might remember we began the month of December with a challenge of $400,000 so that we could not only meet our budget but make sure that we are supporting all of our mission partners throughout the world. We have exceeded our giving, our plan on giving for this year and we have been able to oversubscribe to our mission partners throughout the world. And we are just so grateful for your generosity. We went $50,000 beyond that challenge. So hallelujah, isn't that great? Yay. So we are grateful for all of you who not only kept current with your giving, but also exceeded that. And we're just delighted that we can continue and begin the new year with a great fresh start. We have a congregational meeting scheduled right after the service at 10 o'clock. It will be very brief. It will happen right after the benediction response, but you'll want to make sure that you stay here. It will be, unfortunately, the opportunity for us to take official action on uh, Bruce Hedgepest uh, receiving a new call to a, a new charge over on the East Coast in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, but uh, please stay here for just about five minutes or so for that meeting, and that way we can acknowledge Bruce and his ministry with us. Uh, Bruce won't be leaving until uh, in the middle of the month. And we're delighted to have Bruce Porter with us this morning, helping to lead in worship. Uh, Bruce is Pastor Emeritus here at Church of the Palms, served here for 20 years, and I'm delighted to be sharing this worship with you. Let's now continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the year past and the year ahead, and thankful, O oh Lord, that we can begin this year by presenting to you our gifts, and ask, O oh Lord, that you allow these gifts to be seed for the kingdom of heaven, 
that through them others will come to know that you so love the world that you gave your only son, that the light still shines in the darkness, and that we have hope through the grace and mercy of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I'd like to invite Lori and all of our children to come forward for the children's message. Thank you. Maddie, how are you? Would it be the first one here? All right. Are you ready for this? Oh, wait. Let me try again. Happy New Year! Does anybody like new beginnings? Like to start over, like to get a fresh slate? I love new beginnings. They're like They're the best. I think maybe this time I'll get my life just working a little bit better than I did the year before. But more than that, I love the new year because it helps me to wonder how God might use me in the way that he really intended, the way that he made me, how he could use me. And I was thinking about that, and I thought there's two things that we should pay attention to. The first thing is our gifts. What do we do pretty well? Does anyone have anything that they do kind of well? Sydney, I knew I could count on you. What do you do, Sydney, that is that you do pretty well? You do, you what? Wash the dishes. She washes the dishes really well. That is excellent. You can come visit me at my house. Cynthia. I take care of pets really well. Oh, excellent. So you're responsible. That's so great. Anna. I do gymnastics really well. Wow, that is, you, know, you have no idea how God might use that gift. Our friends in Nicaragua, they're talking over in the garden today. Some of those Young Life leaders are like really, really great at soccer, and they reach all kinds of students and kids for Christ because they can relate with them on the soccer field. Sophie. I do really well at art. At art. Oh, my gosh. Another gift that God can use. You guys are the best. Wow. I'm good at skateboarding. Skateboarding. Excellent. Musical theater. Musical theater. Thank you. You know, it's funny, right? This is so great. Like, if I asked you guys what you're good at, we will, we've lost it, right? We go, oh, we're really not good at anything anymore. This is awesome. Wow, okay, two more. I'm good at roller skating. Roller skating, and Maddie, last one. I'm good at, I forgot. Public speaking? Yeah, no, okay. You are good at, yeah, okay. Hold. Okay, go ahead. Scootering. Scootering, you're good at so many things. Oh my gosh, that is great. Okay, Grace, last one. Ice skating. Ice skating. So, whew, we're good at a lot of things. That's because God gifted us with these things. And then we can even develop new things that we didn't know. But the second thing to pay attention to is what you're passionate about, what you love, maybe what breaks your heart. Because maybe what breaks your heart is what breaks God's heart. So we've got to pay attention to those two things. Third thing. Final thing, and I got it from our lesson today. Remember how we're doing the Gospel of Mark? And Mark goes really, really, really fast, right? He did, like, today, my goodness, I think Jesus heals like four specific people, like a mother-in-law and a leper and an unclean spirit, throngs and throngs of other people that he heals, and then he does something. He stops, goes off by himself, and he prays. Jesus, the Son of God, thinks it's so important to connect with God, to get guidance from God. 
and to have relationship with God. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for gifting all of us with unique and special gifts. Lord, help us use those gifts to love others, to see others who might be hurting so that we can show your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. New Year's is the time for us to begin thinking about doing things new and differently. Perhaps you've made some New Year's resolutions. Perhaps you've broken most of them already. It couldn't be a better time, perhaps, for us, especially as we have been making our way through this uh, story of God from the beginnings of the Old Testament all the way toward the end of the New Testament. Maybe now is the best time for you to recommit yourself to daily Bible reading. I mentioned I'm teaching a course on the Bible, the New York Times, and gaining a biblical worldview. The best way to gain a biblical worldview is to actually read your Bible and to read it on a daily basis. We are blessed to have in our bulletins every Sunday a daily reading of Scripture. We are blessed to be working our way through the entirety of the story of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We are Blessed to have a wonderful class being taught by Dale Valrath over in the chapel right after this service at 10.15 that expounds upon the text that's being preached on Sunday morning. All of these are amaz amazing gifts that are given to us, but of course, like every gift, it's to be given, but it's also to be received. So we invite you to take that journey with us throughout the course of each week. Again, in the bulletin, you'll see those daily Bible readings, and we invite you to do so as we take in the biblical view such that we might be able to live out the biblical view in this world of ours. So to that end, we are at the beginning of one of the Gospels and we'll be in the Gospel of Mark for a while, taking a look at the life of Jesus, turning the page from the Old Testament now to the New Testament. And today we find ourselves at the 21st verse of chapter one of the Gospel of Mark, I'm gonna be focusing on verses 21 through 28, but I will be reading the entire chapter, the entire rest of the chapter as we reflect upon the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So hear the word of God. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching? with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. 
Once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and possessed of demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him, and when they found him, they said to him, everyone's searching for you. And he answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. A leper came to him, begging him, and kneeling, said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose. Be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And after sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that nothing, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country, and people came to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Once again, a new year begins, O Lord. And we know that it's only by your grace and only through your mercy that we could ever hear and that we could ever know your word for our lives. So we pray that you allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. <clears throat> W.H. Auden, in his poem, Christmas Oratorio, begins his verse this way. Well, so that is that. Now we must dismantle the tree putting the decorations back into their cardboard boxes, some have got broken, and carrying them up to the attic. The holly and the mistletoe must be taken down and burnt, and the children got ready for school. There are enough leftovers to do, warmed up for the rest of the week. Not that we have much appetite, having drunk such a lot, stayed up so late, and attempted quite unsuccessfully to love all of our relatives and in general, grossly overestimated our powers. I suppose Auden's words and sentiment sound and feel pretty familiar. We are at that moment, aren't we, when it's time to take Christmas down and return to the world that is at hand. 
At the end of the New Year's week, New Year's weekend, and tomorrow we get after it again. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those who wants to keep Christmas up as much as possible and as long as possible. Because a lot of work goes into putting it up, right? Boxes in from the garage, ornaments and decorations unwrapped, Christmas tree purchased and put up, lights strung. It's a lot of work, and then just a few weeks later, it all comes back down. It seems so much for so little. But you live in Florida, and you did get that North Carolina Christmas tree that was already pretty dry when you bought it. <laughs> and now it's snowing pine needles in your family room. So before a fire starts, it's best to take Christmas down. Taking Christmas down gives me so often that sense that somehow Christmas is over. So that is that, Auden says. And all the effort toward cheer dissolves into the daily grind and routine of the new year. Auden in his poem continues for a while this end of Christmas lament. And then comes this halting line. To those who have seen the child, however dimly, however incredulously, the time being is, in a sense, the most trying time of all. The time being is, in a sense, the most trying time of all. It's a trying time, isn't it? Because just like every year, it would be our hope to take whatever meaning we have gleaned from Christmas and bring it, bring it with us into the new year, and not just the new year, but into the rest of our lives. We'd like somehow to have whatever screws there may have been inside of us eradicated so that we can start to write a whole new chapter. But as it goes, Christmas is the shortest of the liturgical seasons, and before we know it, we feel the speeding advance of the rut and routine, bills to pay, things to return, jobs to get back to. So perhaps we take comfort when we turn to the first chapter of Mark's gospel. That the first we hear of Jesus in Mark's gospel is just nine verses in and Jesus is already an adult and he's ready to get to work. For Mark, the good news starts when Jesus starts to work. Matthew, Luke, and John, they spend a chapter or two reflecting on the theological idea of God coming into the world. And Jesus, they have time for shepherds to be revealed to and visited by wise men and shining light in the darkness. But Mark, oh, Mark doesn't have time for those kinds of ideas. No, for Mark, the story gets started, the gospel gets started when Jesus gets to work. In other words, for Mark's God is in the world. John the Baptist has introduced him. His name is Jesus. And now we must pay attention to how God is doing his thing in the world, in the flesh. No fooling around for Mark. Let's get this story started. God is in the flesh and God is on the move. So let's turn right away and see what happens when God engages in the flesh the world. And sure enough, before you know it, Jesus is in the synagogue, and right before him is standing the world, the condition of the world, a man possessed by an unclean spirit. You don't get much more earthy than that. A crazy man 
mentally ill man, a possessed man. When God enters the world, he enters the world in its deepest and most broken places. God enters the world coming face to face with someone who no one really wants to come face to face with, a lunatic. And the first century approach to lunacy was separation. Stay away. This man is likely seconds away from being ushered quietly out of the synagogue. But Jesus, the new rabbi, doesn't separate. He doesn't stay away. He doesn't avoid. Jesus engages. He confronts this, this craziness, this lunacy, these unclean spirits, and he draws them out. And the people say, whoa, this is a new teaching. In other words, we haven't seen a rabbi like this before. Oh, no, most separate, most stay away, most do whatever they can to get the crazies out. But this rabbi, he is in the world. He enters the world. He engages the world. Why, he even takes the crazy ones very seriously. And isn't that what we so enjoyed about our Christmas celebration, the thought that when Jesus came as a baby, that, that God was coming into the world to take the world seriously. He was taking the condition of humankind seriously. We love that idea right back on December 24th when the tree had most of its needles. But here, now, Jesus is showing what that means, and he's showing it up close and personal. Here, now, Jesus is delving into the world, and when Jesus drives headlong into the world, he does it one worldly, crazy person at a time. Jesus is taking seriously this lunatic in front of him. And could there be any better news than that? That Jesus takes seriously every single person. Most of you know that my next oldest brother, four years older than me, is severely mentally handicapped. James Joseph McConnell, Jimmy Joe as we call him. Jim has never spoken a word. He is blind. He carries a mental capacity of little more than a five-year-old. His world is very small, and his ability to function is very limited. And he's lived for a long time in a wonderful residential center up in northwestern Pennsylvania, and he shares a building with about 20 other men his age who have all sorts of behavioral, mental, and psychological issues they act in all sorts of bizarre ways. And so it's always an amazing thing for me when I go to visit Jim to watch the staff do their thing. These underpaid workers treat these men as if they were their own family, and in some sense they are. They walk with them and they play with them and they take them on outings and they celebrate holidays with them. They, they, they take them seriously and they insist on their dignity and this all came to light for me many years ago when a package came to me at Christmas time from Jim's center and inside was a package from Jim 
And inside the package was a ceramic Christmas tree with beautiful colored lights attached to it. It had been made, said the card, by my brother. Now, of course, it wasn't made just by Jim. Jim is blind. It was made by him and one of those faithful aides who had guided his hand to place the lights, who had guided his hand to paint the green and to stroke the glaze onto the ceramic, who had taken him seriously enough to help him not just receive gifts from his brother, but to help him give his own gift to his brother. And that gift is a centerpiece of our Christmas. You know, if there's anything we want in this world, right, it is to be taken seriously. Whether it's in a conversation or whether it's in our status or whether it's in our feelings or whether it's in justice or whether it's in dreams, whatever we want, what we want most of all, right, is to be taken seriously, to think and to believe that somehow, some way, I count. We just want to count. And so it should come as no surprise that when Jesus delves into the world, it is with one who likely imagined he didn't count anymore. One whom no one would take seriously. But guess what? We've turned the page. The kingdom of God is at hand. Messiah has come, one person at a time. You see, that's the good news. Jesus takes each person, each worldly, earthy, crazy person, one person at a time. That's the new teaching, isn't it? And it's good news because who among us is not a little worldly, a little earthy, a little crazy? Who among us doesn't have a few unclean spirits floating about? And if there was any joy and peace we found in these last several days, maybe it was when it dawned on us that Jesus came not just to redeem the world, but he came to redeem us up close and personal to heal the hurts, the wounds, and the embarrassing spirits that possess us. He takes us seriously. So we can understand Mark's impatience, can't we? his impatience to take down Christmas, take the tree to the curb and store lights away. Because Jesus is ready to move on. He's got souls to touch. He's got worldly, earthy, crazy souls to touch just like yours and mine. And by grace, to lay his hands upon us and then by grace to grab hold of us and to take us with him into the world in order for that next soul, that very next soul, 
that waitress at the restaurant, that clerk at the store, that irresistible next door neighbor, that relative we haven't managed to like for a long time, that person of the opposite political persuasion, that soul of a different ethnicity and belief to take with us him into the world in order that the next soul the very next soul we would take ever so seriously. Well, we have had our Thanksgiving dinner. We have had our Christmas dinner. We have had our perhaps New Year's dinner. And now we turn to this dinner, to this feast. 
Now we come to that table at the close of a year, and now at the beginning of a year, we come to this table where perhaps, not perhaps, where we will be taken the most seriously. Seriously enough to be shown to us in concrete terms that our Lord has given his life for our sins. He has been crucified on the cross in order that our sins would be forgiven, in order that we might be given a new start, a fresh start. Yes, the slips of paper have been burned. Yes, all the sin that we have offered to God along the way, and even this day we have offered to God, all of that by virtue of this meal has been buried in the deepest sea. We have been forgiven. And we are invited to come to this table to celebrate that feast, to receive these gifts of grace and mercy, to find here the food of forgiveness and love, and to know that Jesus Christ wishes us to begin again, a new start. So come to this table and know that you're taken seriously. All the complexity of your life is taken seriously. And know that you are given by these gifts of grace the opportunity to begin again and to live as followers of Jesus. Hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I received with the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. Receive us, O Lord, at this table, for we are grateful that we do not need a reservation. We do not need to have our card punched. We don't need to provide proof of identity. We are invited by your grace to come to this table. Lord, allow these gifts to become for us the sacred meal, the new dinner, that we may begin again, that we may know through our receiving of this meal that the past is finished and gone and everything now becomes fresh and new, that we might rejoice to know that we are loved by you and that you wish to love the world through us. Oh Lord, bless us with your Holy Spirit and may we sense the unique presence of your Son, the one who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not and will not overcome it. After supper, Jesus took the cup.
give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and gentle of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. I am the bread of life, says the Lord. Those who believe in me shall never hunger. Those who come to me shall never thirst. Those who believe in me, I shall in no way cast out. For blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We thank you, Father, for this supper shared in the spirit with your son, Jesus, who makes us new and makes us strong and brings us life eternal. You have led us in days past, guide us now into this new year, that our hearts may choose your will and that our new resolutions may be strengthened through him who was the child of Bethlehem and now is our Lord and Savior. Amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.